This is the Coaching Life Podcast, episode 41. Good morning, Pat. Morning, Chris. You just stole my segue. You were going to say it's episode 41? <laughs> yeah. How you doing, man? Not bad. Not Good. bad. I want to read something to you. We're going, right. to discuss, we're going to discuss a, a book today, not, not an entire book, but a couple chapters from a book, and I just want to read a little bit of one of the chapters that we're going to uh, discuss. If you're looking for a way to completely destroy your team, or your school, or your business, or your organization, or your church, or your family, it is as simple as permitting three habits to develop. These habits don't take much of an effort. In fact, they occur naturally, usually without even having to think. We never have to teach or train people how to do these three things. For some people, these habits began when they were very young. Now they've just perfected their skills in these habits and have brought them to your team. Many learn these things from their parents, or they've just continued to practice them in their own lives, and so they've become part of who they are. There are many teams and organizations who have lived for several years with these three habits. It's probably more accurate to say that they're merely existing in autopilot for several years. They're certainly not thriving. Some know that they actually have a problem, but they don't realize what the problem is. The three habits have become such a part of their normal culture that they can't see that these things are actually killing them. Some don't even realize they have a problem with the three habits. In these cases, it's usually because of the, the three killers of a team run rampant from top to bottom. For example, when the leadership, the primary driver of the team's culture, participates in these three things, then it naturally trickles down to the team members and becomes standard operating procedure for everyone. These teams know no other way of behaving. They're miserable and they don't even realize it. And consequently, they have no plan to fix it. So what are the three habits that kill a team? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. Talk about that, yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about three habits. Now, there are more habits sure. than just three that can have a potential to kill your team. But there are three. We think that you can wrap up a lot of mm -hmm. problems in one big package and label them as one of these three things. And truth is, if your team has one of them, you're hurting. Mm -hmm. If you've got two you're sinking. Right. If you've got three, you're probably dead and you don't even realize it. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about three habits that kill a team, but then we'll also talk about if we're going to dig a hole and, you know, dig, dig you know, dig out an infection from your body, <laughs> you know, from your, from your team, then we'll fill it in with some, with some strength. Got to give it a little antibiotic. That's right. Yeah. Got to give it an antibiotic. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about a remedy of how we can remedy these three things and we'll end on a positive note today. Well, I think the, you know, like you said, there's more you know, examples of, of things that we do and the ways we behave that, that can impact a team negatively. But a lot of those things, I bet you can't find too many that aren't closely related hmm. to these three examples that you give and or at least start with them or end with them or, like I said, uh, are part of them. Yeah. And, and you see it a lot. It's weird because in the chapter there, which came from a book called The Coaching Life by my... Ironically enough. My, my friend Chris here. <laughs> Very good book. Highly recommend it. Actually, if you're a coach out there, I would I would buy enough copies for every player of your team and, and hand it out and, and then let their parents read it as well because... I've I think, had teams do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we've run a little team. In fact, I'll say this right now. If you want to buy a copy for every player on your team, we'll do them, we'll do them in a package deal. 
So we'll we'll get them basically there. We sell these books for fifteen bucks. Uh, we'll just say ten dollars a piece. Everybody on the team can have one. I hate when he does that because I feel like it's an <laughs> it's a crime to to only pay ten bucks for this book. I've told him that in the past, but definitely a, a great deal there. But what I was going to say is, it's so easy for these things to to go under the radar, and it can happen. You see them as a coach. You see them as a parent. Mm-hmm. You, I'm, you know, as a player, you see them. Sometimes they're hard to identify, and sometimes they're hard to recognize that you're a part of. Yes. Right. And that's the yeah. that's the biggest thing. And sometimes you know, and, and when you don't recognize that you're a part of it, yeah. And you know, it it's hard for somebody to point it out to you as well. Sure. Because well, we want to get defensive immediately about right, it. I yeah. mean, anything. I guess that that works with anything that we you know, if, if we if we don't have a humble mindset and a desire to take constructive criticism to 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 get better in things then we I mean if you have a desire to get better then you're going to be open a little bit to someone coming to you and saying hey you know what do you think about this right and you're you know this is an area that you might be able to improve in you know this is something I've noticed that, that I know that you have a desire to do to do better mm-hmm. and and when you're just kind of doing this this habit a lot you know yeah or this thing a lot and maybe becoming a habit and and uh, it, you know if you you have to have a desire to receive that Sure. If you're going to get better, absolutely. Which is all part of you know the things that we talk about as mm-hmm. as, as part of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, establishing the fact that you want to be a better person, you want to be better in the roles that you feel in life, and yeah. you know, part of that is is recognizing your weaknesses, yeah, and and accepting it, and and uh, planning to you know do something about it. Yeah. Well, you know the the context for what we're talking about today which is three habits that will kill a team and then three habits that can build your team. The context is teams. Yeah. We're talking about teams, sports teams, work teams, right, anything, yeah, business definitely. teams. Your family is a team, you know, but obviously this is a, sort of a sports podcast. And in the context of teams, I tend to think about a couple of different things. One is there's a word that I mentioned in or that I read in, in uh, that little passage that I'd read. Uh, I said, you know, that these three habits have become such a part of their normal culture, the normal culture of a team, mm. that they can't see that these things are actually killing them. And that that word culture is a is a key word there because the truth is every team has a culture, and you know we we often talk about what do we want our culture to be, and you know what what kind of culture does your team have? And in fact, I would even challenge everyone right now that is in the middle of a season or considering your season or, you know, I don't know when you're listening to this, but ask yourself, what is our team culture? Mm-hmm. And if you're getting ready, to, if you're preparing for a season, what do you want your team culture to be? And then ask yourself, how is it determined? Do you right. know how your culture is determined? Mm-hmm. Because there is, there is a way that culture is built and it has nothing to do with you quoting a bunch of stuff to your team or putting things on posters and hanging on the wall or sitting down with your team and developing a mission statement, for example. Those are all common ways that we, we tend to think about creating a culture, you know, having, creating a social media account for your team and then posting a bunch of stuff on Twitter, posting little videos of them working out and saying the grind and things like that. <laughs> you know, granted, you know, maybe, I think what that is, it's an example of what you want your culture to be, but the reality is that's not what your culture is unless it really is the behavior 
of everybody in your team. Right. It could be your culture. You it, might be, you know, displaying, you know, it very a well could be of what yeah, your culture and, and, is, but it and, might not. And we all hope that when we do that, we all hope that that's the case. But by simply doing that, doesn't right. make it the culture. Right? You, you can't just you can't make your culture be that by hanging a poster in your sure. locker room. In fact, I'll say uh, that the the way to really understand what your culture is, ask yourself this, ask your players this, ask your team members this. What what do you believe? What do you believe about this team? Hmm. What do you what do you really believe about who we are and about what kind of team we are, what kind of organization we are? What 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 is our program? mean to you and just find out what they believe because that's going to give you a hint of where at least the the culture is beginning mm-hmm. in their minds and as you collect that data as you collect those answers from your teammates and your team members then you get an idea especially when you hear the same answer again and again what the culture might be but the reality is it goes beyond even what you believe about the organization about the team about the program about the coaching staff about your teammates and really, culture has a lot to do with how you actually behave. Yeah. That, what are you actually that doing? That is what it is, right? I mean, that, that, that's, that's, that's the building of the... That's what... If I, if I want to find out what... Like, you know, use like Applebee's or something like that, a restaurant as an example, you know. You go in and anybody can put a bunch of memorabilia on their walls in a, inside a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, Applebee's wants to have this hometown feel. It's a corporate chain. They're everywhere, but they want to have this hometown feel, right? And so they put up local memorabilia, you know, pictures of local sports teams and, you know, different kinds of, of things on the wall that represent your, your town. And so when you go in there and you sit down, it feels like that. Well, the only way it's really actually going to feel like that is if they behave in that way as well. Hmm. If they come, you know, if, if, if it's warm, when you get a warm greeting but from the receptionist and you, and you, you know, they can put all that stuff on the walls. But if the behavior isn't consistent with what it looks like is on your walls, then that's it's not we're not going to get that culture. Right. We're not going to get we're not that's not what the culture of the place is going to be. It's the way you behave. It is. You can't you can't cover it up. You know, you can't say that it's different than than what it is. Mm-hmm. It it is what it is and yeah. and a lot of times I I, re- I remember I don't know if I, I must have heard this on a podcast or something Brian Kane talking about go you know someone enlisting him to come in and change, help change the yeah. culture of yeah. the organization. And the first thing that he wants to do is he wants to go through and find out everything that that organization does. He mm-hmm. wants to talk to every person, you know, that he can in that organization, d- know their, you know, ask them about their role, ask them about what they do throughout the day, what their thoughts are mm-hmm. about their job and things like that to understand, you know, what that organization, how, how that organization behaves, which yeah. is what we're saying now. Yeah. And then he takes that back and he says, look, this is who you are, and that's the first step. This I don't is care what are. your mission statement right. says. Yeah, this is who you are. Yeah, I don't care what it says on your wall. Yeah, I don't care what your posters are. I don't care how casual your you know, your office looks. You know how homey it looks or casual jeans Friday. This is the this is actually what you're. Yeah, and and that's that's a deliberate action. It's not easy to figure that out, mm-hmm. especially if you're in a leadership role within the, the team that we're talking about. Yeah. If you're in a parent role, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to, to do that. You really got to focus on it. You got to, you got to set aside biases and you got to, you know, really look mm-hmm. at, at, at the small details of the behavior that, that happens inside of that team, inside of that organization. It's not easy. Yeah. You know, and it's not something that, you know, an X's and O's coach thinks about a lot, you know, right. I mean, I've been coaching a long time 
And, uh, you know, I can tell you a very small percentage of, of my coaching experiences went to understanding and implementing a certain culture. Sure, I've said things like, you know, like mm-hmm. we mentioned, I've, yeah. you know, I've talked about, you know, who we are. Right. But well, it's I can different say that, to, yeah. to implement something or to, to truly understand who you are. It is. I can say that in the later years of my coaching experience, I've tried to become much more intentional about that, mm-hmm. realizing that that it is vital to your program success. And so, if you want to, if you want to find out what your culture is, then we, you got to listen. Listen. So, so we're basically we're telling you, listen to what the people in your team are saying. Sure. Listen to how they talk. Listen to listen listen to their to the tone in their voice. Mm-hmm. Listen, listen and watch and watch their behavior. Watch their body language. You'll find, and as you're doing that, we're going to ask you: Are you seeing any of these three habits? Yeah, and I would also say, and I won't whisper, but I'll say this is supposed to be a whisper. Yeah, listen to yourself. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because yeah. it's 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 all the same, and you know that's that's after reading the coaching life, that's one thing that. It's not fun. You know, you, you recognize yourself doing these things yeah. and you're like, oh man, what a what an idiot, you know. Yeah. But you do and and, and it can start out in a number of ways. It can be you could have good intentions. Mm-hmm. Uh you could be it, it could be a positive thought, uh, but it could very easily turn into one of these three habits. Definitely. Yeah. So we'll we'll say what the habits are and then we'll talk about them one by one. Here are the three habits that I believe just kills a team. Yeah. And again, I said, even in the book, your team may exist for a long time with these three habits, but are you really thriving? So yes. When are you, you being the best that you can be? Yeah. When you listen to your team, when you look at you know, and yourself and you look at them, do you see any of these three things beginning to creep in? Mm-hmm. Here they are. Complaining, Blaming and excuses or excuse making. Right. As I said, there are a lot of things, a lot of other things that people might be able to point to and say, well, that could kill a team, that could kill a team, this could kill a team. And I get that. A lot of things can contribute to the death of a team. But in my opinion, there is perhaps no greater deadly poison than even just one of these things being permitted to continue inside of our program. Mm. Just one of these three things can be very fatal and cause your team to just become a place where you as a coach, you as a leader, and even the team, the, the members that are on the team just don't want to be anymore. They right. just they just go through the motions. They just, they're just existing. And you can't let them lurk around. I mean, when they, when when those when these things are lurking and they are they are happening, it's a it's a failure. It, it, it's well, an, it, if I'm if I'm honest, it's it's a failure. If it's a if it's an element of your program, if it's an element of your team, yeah, yeah, because it's going to hold you back. It's, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's going to prevent you from 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 striving, like as you say. Yeah. And uh, you know these things come about here and there. They're always going to be there. You're always going to experience them. But the culture, a culture that is, that is a a good culture, is able to handle these things and and diminish them. Yes. And get rid of them. Prevent them from from rooting 
Right. You know, in their culture. Because every, everybody has weeds grow, pop up in their garden. <laughs> Absolutely. It doesn't matter how much you tend to it. Yes. There's going to be a weed pop up in the garden. The people who pull them, who, who recognize them and root them, pull them up by the roots, are the people who end up with a healthy garden. Right. As you look at it, when you see it, when you notice it or you hear it, getting back to, you know, using that as a metaphor, but, but staying in the staying in the actual point, the context we're talking about, when you hear it and you just kind of ignore it, brush under the rug, think, well, that's not that big of a deal, then another one pops up. Yeah. And then another one pops up. And before you know it, you got weeds choking out the life, the good fruit of the garden. Right. So what do you what can you do about it then? I mean, I, I would say that's a, that becomes the first step in in you know I guess before we break break these three things down and talk about what they look like and sound like and what they what it, what it might feel like if they're in our in our organization in our team. The first thing I might re- suggest is you got to recognize it. Sure, you got to first recognize that you, that, that you that you have a problem. Yep. Be honest with yourself. You know, recognize that there is something that is existing here that feels ugly, that just does not feel right. And for example, using complaining, when you hear a complaint, whether it's about, and I'll just say it this way: when you hear a complaint about somebody or something that we have no power to directly control, you know, we have no influence over this thing that we're, that you're complaining about. Right. We have no way of changing it. That's where, recognize that. Mm-hmm. Rec- okay, that's, that's it. Have a big red light go off in your mind. Recognize this is it. This is what is happening right now. Yep. When someone is being blamed for something that we should be taking responsibility for as a team, as team members, recognize it. Mm-hmm. When, we're, when an excuse is being made for our failures, rather than taking ownership of it and working to get better, recognize it. We have to recognize it. We have to see it. We have to be honest with ourselves. Yeah. You know, in, in my experience, th- th- there's a way to recognize it. And it is, you know, basketball is a good example for me because when you sit in the stands, it's, it's easy mm. to hear these types of things throughout the course of a game. It's easy to do them yourself. And yeah. from a personal perspective, I would say in recognizing it, if, you, if you're saying something during a game that uh, might be challenging for you to go over to the team or to someone else and say after the game, mm. that's probably, it probably falls into a habit that's not all that positive. Yeah. Right. So one of the th- that's that's actually one of the things that I've I've tried to do, and it, because you know sitting my I've I've got a a third grader that's playing basketball, and and uh, it, this is a f- yeah it's this well it's a second year of basketball. He's got um, he he played for these same coaches last year. They do they do they do really do a great job. Uh, the kids love them. Uh, mm-hmm. the kids are having a great year, but you know I'm I'm gonna I'm a I've coached basketball. I'm an assistant. A coach at the junior high level, you know, so there's things I see throughout the sure. game that, you know, I'm just like, mm, we could do that better. And at the point where I begin to say that out loud, I take note of that yeah. <laughs> and say, I, this can't be a complaint. This can't be, mm. you know, a blame. This has to be me taking something to the coaches and say, Hey, I just noticed this, you know, maybe we could do that better. And a lot of times they're, they're, that's a that's a good culture thing because they're receptive to things like that. You know, in, in most cases, sure. depending on what your role is, you know, I have a real good relationship with these guys, and we talk a lot, you know, in, in between games mm-hmm. and things like that. So, 
Uh, I, you know, I feel comfortable doing that, but it's just a, something that you can keep in mind. If you're not comfortable saying it Hmm. to an individual, to a person, you know, that may have the ability to make a change to that, then that might be a problem. You know, you might be contributing to a a negative culture surrounding your team and, 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 and embrace that and understand that's not what you want. You know, you don't want a team with a bad culture. Right. Right. You want to have a strong culture. And you're even sort of speaking right now from the standpoint of someone sitting in the stands who might be thinking, well, how do, how do I have any bearing on what the culture of our team is? Oh boy. Well, you don't realize how much, how much truth there is to this, that every aspect of what this program is, is the culture of the, I mean, and I'm, I'm not just talking about the kids that are playing, let's just stay in the basketball metaphor for a second. The kids that are on the court, the coaches that are coaching them every day, we're talking about, the the athletic trainers that hmm. are that are that are there supporting them as well that are you know that are tending to them they're part of the culture the one that's doing the laundry the managers you know the student managers and things like that the people that are filling up the water bottles all the way down to the bookkeepers the people that are sitting at the uh, scoring the right, scoring right. table the scorekeepers and things like that and those that are sitting in the stands are a huge contributor to the program's culture Yes, I mean, when you when you think about a school in, you know, a school's program, their basketball program in your specific area where you live, you don't you don't be honest with you. You don't just think about the team that's on the floor. You think about the student section, the things the student section says. You think about (laughs) the things the fans say when they're in the in the stand. I mean, it's such a small and condensed area that everything gets put into this. So, yeah, when I take it a step further and say. During the games, yeah. isn't the only time that that those kinds of comments or you know this type of behavior, complaining, blaming, excuse making, making can impact. Why did both of us have trouble saying excuse? I making? know, I know. <laughs> but it's not just during the games, and it, especially from a fan perspective and a family perspective. If you're talking about this on the car ride home, yeah. if you're talking about it at the dinner table, that's you know that. That's, I would say that's that's, that's just stronger. Sowing seeds. Yeah. yeah, that's gonna yeah. that's gonna have an even larger impact on you're, on the team. You're planting seeds absolutely. Of, of weeds, right? <laughs> you know, and and those moments that are going to just start start growing inside sure. of a person that maybe would not have complained otherwise. Yeah, you know? I think a lot of times people don't consider themselves part of that that mm-hmm. culture. You know, it's for parents they kind of feel like they're on the outside. They're not part of the team, mm-hmm. but heck. You know, that's your kids. You're definitely a part of the team. You're a huge part Absolutely. of the team. And, you know, you things that you say in week one, week two, week three mm-hmm. of a season could impact that season at, at the end. It's true. You know. It's true. So what do you do if you recognize it? I'm going to give a suggestion. And I, I, I offered this suggestion in the book. And that is this. Because it's not, it's not complex. It's not hard. It's not it's, – it's really – it's a really simple thing to grasp a hold of. Mm-hmm. It's just extremely difficult to actually do. Yep. And so while it's simple, it can be complex because you've got to be intentional about this. But the way to remedy, for example, getting rid... Let's, let's just focus on complaining for a moment. Yep. If, we're, if we're talking about complaining and how complaining can just really destroy and kill a team, just, just, just mindless complaining... How can I remedy this? How can I, if I recognize that this might be a problem that, that, that I have, 
or that we have, I should, I'll keep it that way, that we have as a team, as sure. an organization, yeah. then here is, this is a complete game changer for any, for any team. And that's this. Here's the, here's the solution. Focus on completely, 100% eliminating complaining. And I'll just go ahead and add blaming and excuse making. Excuses. <laughs> we'll stick with that. Yeah. Completely, 100% eliminate complaining, blaming, and excuse making. Yep. Just do it. And when I say that, I mean you. You're not a person that does y- that anymore. Yeah, me. I take this internally and I take ownership of that. And I want I, that it begins with you. Yep. If it's going to, if this culture is going to change, everything inside the culture has to begin with someone. And that, and why not you? Why, why not? Why not you? And you might be thinking, well, I'm just one person. Well, mm. if one person could influence another person yeah. and then that person influences another person and just multiplies and before long, this is how, this is how culture change takes place. You just got to decide to do it. I mean, just, just stop. And I'm not talking about, let's try this for, I mean, it might be good for somebody to even, Hey, let's just try it for a day. If you're listening to us in the morning, give this a shot for today. Try to go through your entire day without complaining one time. Mm. With just just no complaints and see what see how it changes your day, see how it affects your day or impacts your day. But the truth is, I'm not talking about one day. I'm talking about every day. In every aspect. For your yeah, yeah and all and all of don't just make this a, a goal, a temporary goal. Make it who you are. Hmm. Make it your identity. That's where it begins. That's where it has to begin. Just just yeah, because you can't turn it. it on and off. You know, once mm-hmm. you walk into a basketball, you know, gymnasium. Yeah, why would you want to? Why would you want to make this a temporary thing, right? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's it is going to make your life better. Your life, whether it changes a a culture that you're involved in or not, it's going to make your life better. And I guarantee you, the more you know, as you do this, you will have influence on that culture. Absolutely, and you it'll change. Just as you don't, you're you're also having influence on the culture. If you know, if if you are complaining and blaming Mm -hmm. and making excuses, yeah, you're doing the same thing. You know, you're having an impact whether that's your intention or not, you know, yes. you're having that impact and, and by not doing it, it can steer it the other way. Yeah. And I, I know that as we talk about this, people, you know, people go, yeah, but some things, yeah, but yeah, you're there's right. There's that yeah, but, yeah, right? Yeah. But what's it going to change? Yes. What is, what is complaining? That's the point. Yeah. And, and how... It, and if it, maybe we're talking about a subject that needs to change, mm-hmm. that has to change in the program. It has to. It just can't go on you know, the way that it is. None of these things we're talking about are go- is going to change that. Yes. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, even, so what you're saying is th- that we can say for the sake of, now, granted, I think if we wrote down all the things, if we, were, if we had the mindfulness to write down everything that we complain about during the day, not very many of those things are legit. They just aren't. <laughs> Probably not. But let's yeah. just say, for sake of argument, that half of what we complain about are real issues. Yeah. Real issues that you feel justified complaining about. I mean, real issues that need that need to change. Right. And so you're complaining. Okay. Great. You're complaining. Now let's ask ourselves a really honest question. Does complaining mm. take that real issue... And improve upon it. Nope. Com- complaining does nothing to Can't it. Can't touch it. It, it, it. it changes nothing. As a matter of fact, it either it, it can make it worse or it can create more issues. Yeah. 
Or both. <laughs> True. So let's stay with the devil's advocate then. Someone says, okay, Chris and Pat, what are you saying then? We should just do nothing? If we see an injustice in, on this team, we see a problem, we shouldn't complain about it? I mean, isn't that the way you know, positive change is made, is that someone sees it and they point it out? Yeah. I think, you know, I, and that's a good question. I think that's why trust in, in, in teams and organizations is important. You know, you, mm-hmm. I, there's all kinds of resources out there that will tell you one of the main things that you need to have as, as an organization is trust uh, because there has to be that, that uh, open line of communication where these types of things can be handled in a, in a manner that is beneficial to the organization because yeah. the simple fact of the matter is if you if you just tell somebody stop don't complain don't blame don't make excuses that's great however the problem is the internal conflict that they have the feelings that they have and the emotion is still there it's not going away and it's impacting them which so, is part of your culture yeah. it's part of your team so you're still that those things still exist you have to figure out a way to eliminate them and yeah. and, and you know i think Part of that, a huge part of that, is is being able to communicate with trust. But you yes, know, we're going to talk about some things that, yeah, you know, maybe how to uh, make sure that that's what actually what we're doing. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Because I think that's one of the things that that again, that's part of the recognition process, and that is having the discernment to recognize the difference between what I'll call mindless complaining, mm-hmm. just mindlessly complaining. I see a problem. Oh, look at that. You know, versus problem solving. Yeah. Of course we should seek solutions to problems. No one is saying that. You and I aren't saying that we shouldn't when we see a problem you shouldn't point it out, recognize it and seek a solution. But recognize but here's the thing. There's a difference and we got to recognize the difference in what we're actually doing because one of those is part of the solution. You know when you rec- when you when you recognize a problem, point it out and then say okay, now let's move. Let's move on this. Let's, let's, how can we create a solution for this? That's being part of the solution. Complaining is just literally being part of the problem. Complaining yeah. just, just magnifies the problem because it, that's, that's where the focus is on. You know, one of, them is contrib- you know, one of them is contributing. The other one is just denigrating. It's looking at the problem and it's pointing it out and it's, just sta- it's focusing on the problem. Mm. So while problem solving, I think, might initially begin with pointing out the problem, it begins with that negative of, of seeing the problem and pointing on the, at the problem. I think there is the difference between someone who has a problem-solving mindset is there's an immediate shift of focus to solutions. Yeah. Immediately. That's a problem. Okay, what's the, where can we go? Okay, we know that's a problem. We recognize it. What, what are some positives? What are some solutions? How do we turn this into a positive? What can we do? Unfortunately, a lot of what we hear in youth sports is mindless complaining. Yeah. We see a problem, we point it out. What happens? We continue to focus on the problem. Oh yeah, that's a problem. That coach is a problem. Yeah, that's a yeah, our offense is terrible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. right? And you, and just and what we just what we what are we doing? We just keep talking about the problems. We just keep talking about the problems. We just keep talking about the problems. No solutions. That's what we're talking about. There is a difference between just mindlessly complaining, habitually complaining versus seeing a problem and pointing out the problem and then offering to be part of the solution. Right. And you know what? Sometimes you're not going to have the ability to be part of a solution mm-hmm. to a problem that you, that you see, that you perceive. Mm. It's, you're saying it's, it might be out of your control completely. Exactly. Yeah. 
And at that point, you know, you have to make a decision because mm-hmm. maybe sometimes you feel that's the only thing you're able to do is complain mm. or blame, you know, blame. So yourself. in that moment, it's actually better, you're saying, to do nothing. Right. Doing and saying nothing is better yeah. than in that moment pointing it out. I stole that from something. So from somewhere. I can't remember. You reading it there? <laughs> I didn't read it. I, I've read that I probably I stole it from somewhere too, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, and we have to be able to make those determinations, and that's part of problem solving. So the question that you have to ask yourself then is, here's a problem. I see a problem. Mm. Next question. Can I do something about it? Yep. Can, do I have any control over it? Is there anything within my realm of influence that I can do to impact that problem in a positive way? If the answer is no, stop right there. Mm. I mean, in fact, say nothing. Say nothing. And so, and there are times when nothing, nothing is better than something. Sure. When it comes to complaining. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Right. If the answer is yes, all right, let's start gathering the, the resources that we need to make a positive contribution to this, to this obvious problem. Yep. I think people get, you know, they get, they roll their eyes a little bit about this and, and want to say, you know, were you guys saying that we should just endure frustrating things all the time, you know? And sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would say... Let's get a little tougher, right? Yeah. You know, and there's, you know, you'll hear people say, well, you know, why? Why is our... Why is our baseball program so weak year after year after year? You know, why, why does it seem that our... our, yeah, it's, our a, it's a good example, right? Yeah. Or why does it seem that it our, seems innocent. Our, our school sports aren't as up to par with other you know, schools around us? You know, people hear people say that from different places. And, you know, the, the answer might just be what's inside that culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how, how that community supports hmm. the team or supports yeah. the program yeah. supports the school and you know we're not we're not saying there's issues that that uh, that don't need to be taken care of obviously you know if there you know there's serious issues you know they need to be handled but understand and recognize that your involvement mm-hmm. in the program in in the in the organization that you're in, your involvement in that organization has a direct impact on how successful it's going to be, even if at a very in a very minor role. So sometimes the decision to complain or simply do nothing makes a huge difference mm-hmm. on the success of that program down the road. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, a lot of the things that we find ourselves complaining about are really completely out of our control. Yeah. We, we see something, I mean, even taking that example, you know, why, why is our baseball program just consistently year after year? Not very good. Mm. You know, why, what, and, and then the next, okay, you, you recognize something. Okay. You recognize something. Ask yourself the next question. Is there anything I can do? Mm. It, and, and if the answer is no, it does, you, it, it does no good to continue on with that train of thought. Right. But usually there is an answer that, I mean, usually you can, there's something you can do. In fact, I would say that's the reason why we complain. That's why, that's why most people complain is because we feel a need to do something, right? right? We, we, we can't do it. And so because we feel a need to do something, even if we can't do anything about it, then what's the one thing we can do? 
well, we complain, we complain about it. Or we gravitate toward other people who are also complaining, and we just have our own little complain party together. Because know? we care, and we want to make an right. impact. We want to yeah. make a change. We're, we're passionate, we, you know, we, we, and we're frustrated, and we want to see, we want to see a change. So I still say, if there's nothing you can do about it, though, then just don't complain. Yeah, and I would say a lot of people out there are saying, well, that doesn't seem very beneficial. And I would say... Those those it's scenarios more beneficial than you think. True, but I would say those scenarios probably don't happen as much as as often as you think because there are some things that you mm-hmm. can do. Yes, there are. You can to help build that team that doesn't fall in the lines of complaining, excusing, or blaming. Yeah, and a lot of times I would say is would the word non evasive make sense here that there are things you can do without really inserting it. Like, if you don't have the ability to insert yourself into a decision-making role, you can still do these things and have an impact. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, it could just be something small, like sending a note to the to a coach or sending it, you know, mm. you know just, just, pull, just, just going, going to a, the, the kids that are on the team and, and saying something encouraging to them, you know, right. and, and, and being positive to them and, you know, or it's, sometimes it's just a matter of choosing to go and watch a game without. I mean, try this: go watch a game and don't th- and say nothing. Mm, it's hard. So, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not even saying say positive things. Just say nothing. Try that. Try saying right. nothing, and we usually will get a, a much better perspective of what's actually happening. You know, a, a more objective perspective of what's actually happening out there when we choose not to say anything. Right. It's not easy, but sometimes it's the best thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, hey, sometimes people will acknowledge that about themselves. You know, I've had people say, well, you know, it's just it's just kind of the way I am. I'm, I'm naturally inclined this way. You know, I it's, it's just sort of the way it's the it's the town I grew up in or it's the culture mm. that I live in. You know, and my thought to that is, OK, so you, you recognize that about yourself. Good for you. You're just going to ignore it. I mean, you, are you basically giving in and saying there's nothing I can do about this? Just this is just who I am. It's not. It's not who you are. It's who you've chosen to be. Mm. It's what you've chosen to do. Right. It, it is being a complainer is not who you are. <laughs> I mean, it's what you've chosen to be, and you can then choose to not be that person. Sure. You can start today and say I'm no longer going to be this person, and that will have a really great impact on the culture of everything you're involved in. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to get real crazy about it and you're saying it's a there's a psychological issue that causes you to behave in a certain way, guess what? There's doctors for that. And, just, then, you know, yeah. and then you you know people will scoff at it. It's just, you know, it's just soccer. Why in the world am I going to get a doctor? Yeah, right. So you're saying you really don't you really don't need to have an impact, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So, there, yeah. you know, you go that route too, so no doubt. So there's blaming, excuse making, two two other killers and complaining for a team. Two other killers. I, I define blaming as basically taking no responsibility for anything. In fact, mm, I like that because you don't always get a it's your fault, but you you see, it's not my fault. Right. Not me. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, a person who, you know, it, I guess if, if, if we can just keep talking about it in terms of how to know this is you, right? How do, how do, if I'm a person that blames, just ask yourself this. When something bad happens that, invol- that involves you, so you're, you're part of this, maybe mm-hmm. you're part of the team, something bad happens, you know, you lost or something, you know, what's your first thought? Do you immediately determine whose fault it was? Mm. You know? If some if, if a negative impact is happening to your organization, to your family, to your do we is, is our first thought, well, whose fault is this? If so, there's a good chance we're a blamer. Mm. Right? That's our that's that's where our mind goes to first. Uh, obviously, other than than yourself. I mean, because someone who who recognizes the the opposite of this, which is taking responsibility is is someone who's going to say okay i'm i'm responsible for some of this and so you know what can i what can we then and we start turning it back into a positive but if you're always the victim of someone else's failure to perform there's a good chance that you have fallen prey to being a blamer right right i would say that this person is a narcissist (laughs) and i would go as far as to say that that basically a person like this can never be wrong they you know, whenever there's an instance of something that takes place where even if you appear to be at fault, even if it's obvious you were at fault, I mean, it, it, you know, use striking out as an example. Whose fault is it that you struck out? It's yours. Well, no, the umpire made a bad call. Hmm. Or that pitcher was too slow. I don't hit slow pitching. <laughs> or, I, I mean, seriously, I, you know, it's, so it's, it's just blaming something. Also an excuse. You were obviously at fault. You're right. the one that struck out. You know, I always told our kids that I'm like, I never understand someone coming over and moping, slowly walking over the dugout after you strike out, taking off your helmet and slamming or something like that. I just want to say, look, if you really want to get back at the person who's at fault for your strikeout, here's what you need to do. As soon as you strike out, you need to sprint as hard as you can and dive head first into the concrete of the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> then you're going to punish wow. the one who's responsible for striking out. Hey, I'll tell you something good for people that struggle with blaming or not, you know, not taking responsibility, I guess you could say too. look up the Jocko podcast Mm -hmm. and find the Dakota Meyer episode. It will change your perspective about blaming and about responsibility and taking ownership. Oh my. Basically a number of people's lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a situation where I would say, yeah, after re, after re, listening to that and, and reading a little bit about Dakota Meyer, I, I had this urge in my in my heart just to to hug that guy and I say, know. "This is not your fault." But you know, he, he wouldn't. He would accept it. He would have shoved me away. Yeah. He would shove me say, away. It is my fault. Yeah. I, did, I did take it. Yeah, he would. Yeah, he he took on. I mean, he 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 took responsibility for something that really he probably still had. He had no control over a lot of that. I mean, some he made a decision. He did, and that, and then as a result, a lot of people were killed in battle. And uh, it's an amazing he, story. He embraced it. it. Yeah, that, uh, absolutely. It's a long one. It's though, intense so. to listen to. <laughs> it is very crazy. intense. It is crazy. Yeah, I said I want to say something else about blaming. I, I I said that it was arrogance, basically having an overinflated view of your own abilities. So what happens is sometimes you're the only way that you can retain that elevated status that you have of yourself is to blame others for any failures that maybe you were part of, right? And so I can't, I, I can't fall down because I've elevated myself 
to this level. And if I happen to take blame for something, then I'm lowering myself. So Mm. I said it's kind of a narcissistic thing. But I also think that blaming can be a symptom of low self-image. And the reason I say that is because I know it sounds antithetical completely to what, you know, to being a narcissist. But I think sometimes a person has such low confidence, such little confidence in themselves that they actually look for reasons to pull other people down. Mm. You know, they, they, they don't have a high opinion of their abilities, who, who they are, what they can do. And so I guess just subconsciously they believe that by saying things or pointing fingers at other people, you know, it takes that spotlight off of them a little bit and it sort of helps their own self-image a little bit. You're not really sure which one of those is better. <laughs> yeah, neither neither is a positive. That's but I, for sure. And I, could, I, I think you could say this too that those those statements aren't blanket statements covering your life. It could be about a situation or a mm-hmm. scenario. You know, you could feel superior in a certain aspect. Yeah, and at the same time, you know, find yourself in another scenario where you have a low, you know, right. self-image of what you can accomplish right. in, in, in that role. So it, it could be both or, you know, everything in between. That, that's a good thought. And then we have the good old excuse making. Mm. A third killer of a team. We were supposed to get something done and we didn't get it done. Here's why. Yeah. Insert excuse. It could be any number of things, Right. Most human beings in this world, when we fail, we immediately feel pressure. There's an immediate pressure. Like as soon as think about the last time you failed at something, we fell short of expectations. And in that moment, there is an impulsive emotional reaction to the feeling of, I have fallen short of this task that was asked of me. And what we want to do is we want to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. We want to immediately guard from any additional hurt from that moment. We're already hurt enough that we failed. And so as a means to protect ourselves, often what happens is we provide an excuse. Whenever I... Sp- you speak to athletic teams, it's really easy to point out what excuse making looks like. You know, I remember standing in front of a, a team and like, give me some of the excuses that you hear. And they, it's easy. I mean, right away, all oh, the officials screwed us, mm. right? Field conditions were terrible. We don't play very well in the early morning. <laughs> yeah. We got, we got scheduled at seven, in the, you know, eight o'clock in the morning. And we just, we don't play well. You know, the weather was too cold. We don't play good in cold weather or high school teams or college team. We got, we had exams that day and our kids were just, they were, their brains were fried. You know, they, they, they couldn't, they couldn't perform. And then I've, I've got them personally. You've got, we all got them. You know, I, I'm not, I haven't gotten much sleep. That's why I'm treating you this way. Yeah. Or just came off a long break. Yeah. Or I don't feel well. I mean, that's just a, a lot of the reasons for we, we behave the way we behave is just simply because we say we don't feel well. Well, okay. You know, all right. I'm not, here's a good one. If you're on a diet, I haven't eaten anything all day. Therefore, I'm going to eat this thing that's terrible for me. Mm. <laughs> we don't necessarily say that, but it, that's the justification that happens in our minds, right? Or I deserve a break. 
I deserve, I've worked hard all week, you know, and so I'm going to do something unproductive and meaningless since I deserve a break, you know, those kinds of things. And, and we might be going, oh, okay, that's ridiculous. But there, the excuse making is a deadly habit. Yeah. And that's where, that's how it happens. I mean, we, we probably make so many excuses throughout the day without even realizing it. And then what happens is we get used to hearing them. We get used to embracing them and just accepting them that when they happen on our teams, they become part of our culture. Mm. And when excuse making becomes part of your culture, it's killing it. Yeah, because, well, you, I mean, just in nature, you're talking about the things that reasons you didn't accomplish your goal as opposed to reasons why you did or why you're going to. Yeah. You know, just you're yeah. going backwards instead of forwards. Right. That's that's right. that's what excuses are. Right. So. Yeah, I never liked the your kid misses a day of school. What do they bring in with them? An excuse. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good point. You know, it's my thought is no. What's the reason? They weren't here. What's the reason? Mm-hmm. The reason was they were ill. Okay. Yeah. Not an excuse. I wasn't actually well, but I'm telling you that I was ill. Right? Yeah. Well, and sometimes people will uh, cloak excuses by saying, "No, it's not an excuse. It's the reason." Yeah. So make They'll actually use that line, won't they? Yeah. Right. Right. But I think, I mean, really, I, what are you doing with an excuse? You're excusing something. Mm-hmm. Usually it's bad behavior. Yeah. Usually it's a lie. You know, it's a, I heard that, I heard one, I heard someone say one time that the definition of an excuse is a truth packed in a lie, mm. packaged in a lie. You know, it's, it's, yeah, you, you might have been, you might be sick. And that, you know, and, and, but that's not, you can't use that as the reason why you played terrible, right? Yeah, we, we know that you, you played terrible. You know, okay, that's that. Well, and sometimes it comes down to the simple fact of just not saying it, you know, just right. not using it right. as an excuse. If you're sick and you play terrible, okay, you still didn't get the job done. You didn't, you yeah. didn't perform at, yeah. at the level that you expected to perform. So what? You know, what are you going right. to do now? Right. Well, you know, I didn't play well because, well, what are you going to do now? Mm-hmm. And, and and making an excuse. Even I mean, if that one's true, for example, even if it is a reason, sure. for example, it doesn't do any good to acknowledge it. No, it's because a slippery what slope. Happens, yeah, that's what happens. It becomes a slippery slope because then when you when you when you don't do well again the next time or the next time that you don't do well, what does your mind even immediately start doing? Mm. What's my reason? Yep. What's my reason today? Yep. And that's when a reason becomes an excuse. Right. They start becoming excuses. Definitely. And I think it's so hard to discern to, you know, to discern the difference between the two sometimes, especially the you know the more they the more they occur, the more they become excuses. Yeah, and, and why does it matter? You know, I, some people might be right. saying, well this is you know I don't really understand what you guys are talking about. Well, you know, what what's the big deal? And I mm-hmm. think the big deal is a, a level of mental strength. Yeah. Uh, you know, the essentially the more excuses you make, the harder it is going to be for you to accomplish what mm-hmm. you want to accomplish. Yeah. Especially if there are some external forces out there that right. are making it challenging for you. You know, in, in your goal that you're you're striving to achieve. So, right. It, it's just a way of not allowing yourself to be great, or not allowing yourself to strive to to be good in the role that you're filling. Yeah, I had an. And I remember in the uh, actually it was, it was the last high school game that I was a head coach of. Uh, after the game was over, the 
local news reporter was was talking with me in the outfield after the game, and and I remember he actually posed a question that used the word excuse in it, and he posed it in a way in such a way where he said, if anyone has an excuse for why, I mean, you know, he's like, coach, I know you don't want to make excuses for your loss, but if anyone has one, you guys have a pretty good one because basically we were in the regional championship game and we had depleted our pitching mm. you know in the game before where we went Ten extra innings, innings. <laughs> and uh and then we had to play within a short period of time after that and so our, our one and two were, were completely unavailable and so the he other said, team had theirs they yeah they were basically waiting yeah. to play us and uh he said you know i know no one likes to say you know to make an excuse but honestly You've got one. And I said, I said, well, if I were to make one, then my answer was, if I were to, if I were to be okay with that and agree with you and say, yeah, this is the, I would be saying, this is why we couldn't beat this team today. And I'm, I, and I'm, and I'm telling you that, yeah, these two guys were unavailable to pitch, but we still could have beat, we could have beaten this team. Mm. We have 15 other guys on this team that, have what it takes to, yeah. to 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 get this job done. The condition wasn't optimal, and right, and so and so you will you will not hear me say that I would you know it's like well you know but would you do anything differently right would, you know if you could go back and and you could control not I said well of course I would control I would do it differently but it's not that's that's the whole the whole nature of sports is you're not you you have no way of knowing who's going to get hurt today you know so who, who you're going to not have tomorrow next week you just never you can't you can't control all those factors mm-hmm. we try to control all those factors. But you yeah. just can't. That's a dangerous proposition too, because if you did things differently, you might not have ended up in the place that you were at when those perceived excuses took place. Yeah. So yeah, you 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 handle the situation in front of you. Right. That's all you can handle. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just isn't. It's just not something that is you you ever want to have creep in to your teams, and so. So if you if you want to if you recognize that you have any of these three things if you've got complaining that's that's occurring that is just mindless complaining no one has solutions or no one you no one has control over the fact that we're complaining about these things if you if you recognize that there's a lot there's some blaming going around and if there's been excuses made for um, poor performance or just failures that without taking ownership of those things what can we do to fill in those those things if we want to remove those things from our from our teams, hmm. what can we do? What can we fill them in with? Because we've got to fill them in with something. Right. Because if we're not complaining, we've got to we've got to do something else, and yep. and and otherwise we're going to just fall back into complaining again. If we're not blaming somebody else, that means we're we're doing something besides that. If we're not making excuses, then that means we're doing something besides that. So what are we what are we doing instead? Here's what I said. In the next chapter: three habits that build a team. Positive energy in place of complaining. Responsibility, taking responsibility in place of blaming. And accountability in place of excuse making. Being accountable for your actions, for the actions of your team. If you're going to remove negative things, you got to find positive ways to fill those negative holes in. And these three things, positive energy in place of complaining, I mean... Just switch it up. Just do it. You can almost, it doesn't take very long to be around the team. You can almost pick out which of those players are energy givers and which ones are energy takers. Which ones are, John Gordon says, life suckers, vampires versus life givers. Mm. And 
Um, I, I've heard someone else use the word faucets and drains. Which one are you going to be, a faucet or a drain? Mm-hmm. Seemed like that was a pregame speech, you know, to a team. The point is, we're all one or the other. Right. We're all either giving energy or we're we're sucking it out. We're sucking the life out of our our team. And, and it's a choice. It is, and that is always a choice. Mm. Always. It is always something that you are absolutely 100% in control of. Yeah. Everybody is one or the other. You're either going to be giving your team life or you're going to be taking life out of your team. Yeah. And um, and it, it is. It is it is absolutely your choice. It's a choice. And, you know, it, it sounds odd, but you can be positive about some pretty bad things. Yeah. You really can. And it, it, I think... It's a skill. You mentioned in in a, in a previous podcast a trip that you took. Where did you go? Honduras. Yeah, you went Honduras. to Honduras, mm-hmm. and you know saw mm-hmm. the conditions of those people, you know, living and and I was shocked how positive those people were. How positive they were, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know that's a bad condition. You know, if it, people they had the ability that they they could have made the choice. To complain yeah. and you know, not say that you know, they probably go through their life and and have some complaints here and there, but overall, in general, their outlook and their behavior and the way they interact with these tourists that are coming from a, mm-hmm. the greatest a country in the world, country. yeah, you know, it almost makes you think that makes you wonder is, is is the more the more we have and the more we know, mm. the more there is to actually complain about, yeah. and so the less you have, the less you the less you know. I think the less it, there is to complain about. I so. think it has to do with struggle, to be honest with you, mm. and, and and how we mm. how yeah. we approach that struggle. You know, the, I, the the easier the easier life is, the more time we have to find things to complain about, yeah. and to blame blame yeah. on other things and to make excuses for. Yeah. It's easier to do that because if you're in a situation where you're you know you're in a mode of survival. You don't mm-hmm. think about those things because you, you know you, in order to survive, you got to move on to the next phase. I don't have time to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You're not worried about, about those types right. of things. Right. And you know, and that's why these things come out in things yeah. like youth sports. Yeah. You know, because it, uh, it, by and large, we are living good lives, and and we're and we're mm-hmm. we're, we're we're fortunate and we're blessed, and <laughs> and we find these these venues that uh, that we're comfortable in. And that maybe we take a little bit for granted yeah. for, to allow some of these behaviors to come out in. Yeah, but it is a choice. I'm I'm just so yeah. I'm so unwilling to accept someone saying to me that's just who I am. I'm just a, I just tend to be a negative person. I just don't. It it can be it can be difficult to overcome, but it can still be overcome because it is it, it is a choice. But I think I think if if we're telling people that, then you can you know if you're negative, then you can choose to be positive. I think we should probably. Help, help people see, well, how does that happen, right? Because it's not just going to happen naturally. So if it's not going to happen naturally, then that means we got to practice it. We have to, It's a skill that has to be built. Sure. It's like anything else in our, on our athletic teams. If we want to, if we want to get better, we've got to, we got to find ways to practice it to build the skill yep. to get better. And I think being positive is a skill. You got to be intentional about it. And, and, and when you are, yeah, when, when teams are, when teams are positive teams, they will outperform negative ones Every time, yeah, I'm a believer in that. Teams that focus on the positive are naturally more productive, while teams who focus on the negative are naturally more likely to just complain and blame and make excuses, and therefore they're not going to be very productive. They're definitely a tougher out because they can handle situations where things aren't going well and still perform Absolutely. at their highest level. Absolutely. That's when it's tough to beat them. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're like, what? How, we can't shake these guys. 
Exactly. Nothing, nothing, nothing shakes them. Yeah. 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 Nothing phases them at all. You know, and I know, and I know people, you know, people are sitting right now thinking, oh, here we are. You know, time isn't being positive all the time, disingenuous, you know, I mean, I, you can't just ignore the horrible things that are happening in life and in reality and like act like we're living in some kind of fairy tale land. You know, life is negative sometimes. Bad things happen. Frustrations are real. I live in the poorest place in America. Whatever it is, whatever it is. Sure. You know, uh, of course, I'm not suggesting that you fake something that you're not. Right. Right? And, and here's the thing. Positive people, contrary to maybe popular opinion... People who are positive all the time, they're not pretending negative things aren't happening. They're not dumb. Sure. I mean, they're, they're not, they don't have their head in the sand. Yeah. They don't pretend that negative things don't exist or that the world isn't a bad place or that things, that things aren't. Here's the difference. Positive people just aren't fixated on those things. Yeah. They're just not, they don't fix, they choose not to fixate on the negative. Being positive does not mean you ignore the negative. That's not what it means. Right. Being positive means you overcome it. That's what it means. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about here. It's just not, I mean, people people hear it and they kind of roll their eyes, you know, like, oh, okay, we're just talking about jelly beans and puppies and rainbows and happy thoughts, and that's all <laughs> that's all you guys. And that's not me at all. That's yeah. not that's not that's just not my character. It's actually quite the opposite. I think positive people are positive because they realize life is really darn hard. Yeah. It's hard. And y- y- the actual wording in the book, it's positive energy. And yes. the energy is a big part of that because you don't you don't even have to say anything mm. to have positive energy. Yeah, you know you can look at you and you see them. You know you see the athlete like you said you see athletes with positive energy out on the floor, oh, yeah. out on the field. That you know they just have a a certain uh, way that they walk that you can yes. tell. You know and expect and you know when it comes out the the most when it shines the most is in you know, challenging situations. Oh, they absolutely. They find themselves down or that, you know, they've mm-hmm. made an error or, you know, they're in a, a, a difficult situation. Yeah, those shoulders don't slump forward. They actually kind of get energized with it. They, yeah. they, they, they rise up and they almost, their chest puffs out a little bit more. I mean, and, and you're like, well, this is a this is a tough situation. Yeah, watch out because that guy's coming after you. And as opposed to in that situation complaining, which would have a negative impact on those around them, the positive energy has a positive impact. On the on on the mm-hmm. the people and the and the players yeah. around them too. So yeah. yeah, so just replace it. Just 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 find ways every day, all the time, where you can just replace any any complaining that might be that might be occurring with with positivity. Mm. I mean, I understand life is hard. There's a lot of negative. But why on earth do we want to make it harder? Right by being negative because that's yeah, what we're doing. We're making did. it harder. Yeah, we're definitely. making it harder. I can definitely attest yeah. to that. Yeah. You know, I, we kind of talked about the difference between blaming is taking responsibility, you know, and that is just basically saying, I failed. Yeah. I'll, I'll take this on my shoulders. And some people say, man, there's no way I'm going to take responsibility for something that I absolutely had nothing to do mm. with. But you want to know something? If you did it, you're going to feel stronger, mm-hmm. mentally stronger. You will. And, and just... The next time you face a challenge, any challenge it will be, you're going to be more confident about mm-hmm. it because you know you talked about the the pressure that people naturally feel after yeah. they they fail yeah. under those expectations. The more responsibility, the more apt you are to take responsibility, the less of that pressure you fail right. you, you you experience. That's yeah, that's true. That's that's what we don't want. We don't want to feel that pressure. Right. So that's usually why we make the excuse or blame somebody yes. else. And and the rat and it's it, it's really. What we don't understand is exactly what you just said. That's such a great point. 
the more you take on, the more responsibility you do take on, the less pressure you actually feel. Yeah, it's 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 a bizarre thing, but um, that's it. I think while blaming can be a huge team killer, taking responsibility is a huge team builder. You, yes. when you when you have a bunch of people on your team and they're all taking responsibility, it's a pretty strong team. I think yeah. I quoted John Burroughs who said, a man can fail many times, but he isn't actually a failure until he begins to blame somebody else. Mm. That's what it means to, to fail. I mean, you can fail a lot, but get back up. Yeah, and I've been Shoulder. around teams where one person will step up and take responsibility, and it may not happen mm. right away, but over time, yeah. another one steps up, Yeah, and another one, and it just gradually builds, and, and, and then you, know, you wake up one day, and, and your team is... Yeah, it's full of people that take responsibility, and and I guarantee you're going to see uh, more success out of those types of yeah. teams than the than the the alternative. And before you even realize it, if you and, let, and you won't realize it until you step back and take a look at it and ask yourself again, what's our culture like? Mm. And then you realize, huh, this culture is completely different. Yeah, this culture has changed, and it's changed because we believe something different about who we are and about what this team is, and we're behaving in accordance with our belief, right. with what we actually believe. Right. So I, I think there's, a, you know, teammates who take responsibility are teammates who recognize that they recognize the power of their choices, they recognize the power of their decisions and their actions, and they, they're responsible for it. Yep. They are constantly and consistently making helpful choices and minimizing any choices that might be harmful to them or to the organization. Someone who's taking responsibility as opposed to blaming, is, it tends to be a person who praises other people a lot mm. and builds them up as opposed to looking for ways to criticize somebody else. And so just a lot of things like that, that, that just what it means to be someone who takes responsibility. So we fix two things. Yeah. <laughs> How do we... Just like that. Easy, right? All easy done. peasy. That's right. How do we fix... Excuse making. Excuse making. Yeah. With accountability. Yeah. You just don't allow things to take glory away from you. Mm. You don't allow it. I think that's what excuses do. You know, when you make an excuse, you say, "I'm not. I wasn't good enough because of this reason." Yeah, you just weren't yeah. good enough. Yeah. And if you weren't good enough that time, and you achieve the next time, then you were good enough. You you know you do succeed. Right. I think accountability defines our success it 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 tells us how you know the the level of accountability that we have tells us how successful we are and we can be Mm -hmm. when i think of accountability in team setting on a team setting i think we have to think of it in terms of every teammate every member of this team can trust that every other member of this team has the same goal in mind. Mm. That's kind of, I mean, that's kind of, I'm trying to figure out how do I explain accountability in a team setting? And that's kind of, that's kind of how, what I'm thinking of is that, is that we, there is a trust that all of your teammates have the same goal in mind. And that is particularly the, the team's goals, right? You know, it's, it's, it's what is in the best interest of this team. When the team's goals are above anyone's individual goals, then that is when accountability, it may not be happening, but it's when accountability is possible. Mm. That's sort of the, that's the, that's the breeding ground for accountability right there is, okay, if we have this, then now that means 
because accountability, when I think about it, is me having somebody look at me and say, hey, there's a better way for you to do this. There's, there's probably a better way for you to do this than what you're doing right now. If my main interest is the betterment of this team, then I'm going to be willing to receive that. Right. And if my interest is myself, it's going to be really hard to receive that. It's going yeah. to be, it's going to be, I'm going to feel defensive about that. And so I kind of think, I mean, I think accountability is a hard one. It's a really, really difficult one, but it's going to cover a lot of this excuse making yes. when you create a culture of accountability in, in, in your teams. Yeah. I think, a, you know, an easy example of that is, you know, and the idea, you know, say you're in a, a softball game and, and, you know, the middle of March, or I guess it'd be April, April, right? And it's snowing outside. Yeah, you'd you be know. scrimmaging in the middle of March in high school. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, yeah. but it's snowing outside. Yeah, and everyone's like, snowing. You know, this isn't softball weather. You know, and we're not going to. You know, the bats are cold. You know, our hands uh-huh. are cold. We can't. And those excuses start leaking out. And uh, but the the fact is, uh, you know, an accountable team will say, "Hey, you know, everybody else. You know, the other teams out here in this mm-hmm. in this environment." Uh, you know, the umpires are out here in this environment. Our fans are here. And there's nothing we can do to change it. Exactly. Yeah. So we work through it. Then. It's done. It's, the excuse it, is gone. It's the only avenue that we have to go. And so we're going to we're gonna put our heads down and go that avenue. Yeah. It's not going to be a reason that we lose. It's not going to yeah. be a reason that we fail. Right. So you're putting that back on your shoulders. You're yeah. being accountable. Right. In, in a situation where, you know, someone not accountable would Yeah. Be. <laughs> I, I think this is such a accountability is one of the hardest things to build on a team because it's everyone has to buy in. Everyone has yeah. to it's everybody wants you want to be you want to get defensive and when you get defensive it's just that's the opposite of accountability. Yeah, you could almost say that that blaming prevents accountability, right? Yeah, these actually yeah, they all they all they stack upon one another and they build off of one another. All of these problems do. Exactly. And so that's when the you know when you're you're complaining, you're blaming at home or you're complaining and blaming, you know, when you're out with your friends or you know in the stands, those that behavior seeps in mm-hmm. to this accountability factor. And you prevent- you feel like you're you need to be less accountable now because oh, well, I'm not, I'm not right. part of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that that's but the, it, that's their issue, not mine. Yeah, and ultimately I, I, I feel like most people don't understand that th- those types of behaviors ultimately impact the product that, you know, they're trying to, to, mm-hmm. to create. And that's yeah. why it becomes easier for them to do it because they don't, they don't get it, that they're having a negative impact. Yeah. So yeah, have a positive impact. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I think, I think there's one way to help. If accountability is a difficult thing to create on a team, mm. then, there's another layer of accountability that I think needs to be discussed before we kind of close this out. And that is, it's a quality that makes accountability most effective or, you know, in your, on your team. Mm. If your team has this quality and it knows it, like you, you all know it, then I think accountability is a lot easier. And that is this. Love. Mm. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Dabo Sweeney said, when someone asked him, why is Clemson football so darn successful year in and year out? And his answer is always, we have a perfect blend of love and accountability. Love and accountability. Mm. 
They know that every player in this organization loves being here. They love the team. They love one another. They love what they do, and they love the people they do it with. And when you have that, it's it's so much easier to create accountability. Yeah. And I think that that is where it has to. So if you want to create accountability in your team, that's where it has to begin. They got to know one coach. If you're a coach, they got to know you love them. They got to know that you love them, that you love what you're doing, that you love the team that you're playing for. You love the organization that you're playing for, that you're working for, that you just love everything about it. And when, when, when they know that, accountability actually gets a lot easier. I won't say it's easy. It gets easier to yeah. build in that, on that team. You're saying the relationship is very important when it comes to accountability. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, there is no there is no way to create accountability outside of relationship. Right. And and yeah. we've talked about that, you know, a ton in in, in previous episodes. You know, I remember Coach Roark being on and, and mm-hmm. you know, kind of sharing the same sentiments that you know, that's a yeah. that's a foundation of, of her program and, and you know, we've talked about it in so many different ways. Yeah. Uh, well, and you have to have a, you have you, you have to have a a, bal- a perfect balance of it too. Like I love what Dabo says, like you know, a balance. What does he mean by a perfect balance of love and accountability? Sure. I think if you have too much, what you'd be considered too, too much love, right. But not enough accountability, then I mean, they have to they balance one another out. Like well, that's why you have to evaluate yourself because if you have true, if it, if it's true, if if the if the elements are true, then they would be balanced. Yeah, if, that's if they're true. not, then they're they're not. You know that 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 element of love isn't as strong as what you think it is, right. because what you're you're basically well, allowing for it's, it's excuses. A, it's, a, it's a permissive and, culture, right? Culture exactly. That basically, you don't yeah, want that, yeah. Oh, I love being here. I love this coach, and I love being together. But we're not going to become great because there's no. Whenever somebody falls behind on the standards of success that we have. No one wants to hold them accountable to it exactly. because, well, I just, I love you too much, brother. I can't say, I can't say anything. No, that's not, that's not what real love is. Yeah. You know, and, and the opposite is also true. If there's too much accountability and not enough love, it might cause the team then to initially strive to be great. But then when someone fails or when we fail, we'll start doing these, we'll start complaining about it. We'll start blaming. We'll start, th- you know, so that, that what happens is, is that you've got to have that mix. You've mm. got to have that balance of both. With otherwise, there's going to be there is there there will be burnout with you know too much accountability with no love. There, there's that's what's going to happen. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll burn one another out. So. so, coaches out there, how much time are you planning on spending in developing love in your in your team culture this year? The baseball, softball coach. Where's that on your practice plan? Where's it? Where's the, where's the where's the love session on your practice plan? <laughs> That's probably not the best. One. Grab your love, partner. Yeah, yeah. No, I think about it all in terms of intentionality. You know, we never thought about. We everybody says. You know, we've said this before. Everybody says that the mental aspect of the game is a huge percentage of yeah. what creates success, but we never think about how to intentionally practice. Yep the mental aspect of the game. How do you, how, let's just be really intentional about it. There are ways to intentionally create a culture of love and accountability in your, on your team. There are ways, there are practical ways to create a culture of positive energy and taking responsibility on your teams. That would be, I mean, that would be, you take it from there, everyone. I mean, you sit down with a notebook and write it down. What, what are things that I can actually do to make sure that this happens? We had one coach tell us, didn't we? It seemed like a while back we had a coach write to us and tell us that they've been actually, in addition, maybe a football coach, mm. in addition to the actual practice, the normal practice plan, yeah. he was incorporating 
some kind of like uh, the, be, the beginning of practice, maybe was a kind of get to know you relationship building time. Or I something. think that uh, he mentioned, you know, during a period of time where they would go get water and water drinks and things like that yes. in the past, he had used that time to kind of critique their, their technique and, and things yeah. like that. And now he started to use that time to, you know, just to interact with them, to talk yeah. to them. And Nothing related to football, just how, to, how are things, you know, how, how, how's class? Yeah. You know, how right. are you great? You know, I just, I, you know, What's like? What do you like to do outside of? You know, what are you going to do when you get home? What do you? What, do you, what your favorite food to eat? You know, th- just things like that. Just yep. and those kinds of things. I know I did. Th- I one of the ways I was intentional about it as a as a high school baseball coach was, I stopped throwing BP to my teams. I found somebody else that could throw BP. Mm. And during our batting practice session, one of our one of the stations we would have in the outfield, we would have a group of guys that we call shaggers which were guys that weren't playing defense because we had people that were also playing defense. We didn't want them to be distracted. But the Shaggers had buckets and baskets, and they were filling up balls you know, that, that were basically not being fielded by the defense. Balls hit to the gap or whatnot, or anything that was hit to the outfield would be tossed to a Shagger. Anything hit to the infield would be played at first base or double play or whatever. Just They were always practicing defense. So what I would do is I would go out and I would just – hang with our shaggers mm. i would just go go over you know so everyone's filtering you know everyone's rotating through each of those those groups so everybody would eventually be a shagger at some point and i just go stand beside them and, and chat you know maybe take a glove out with me and, and shag a few balls myself and just do that very thing you know and just talk about something that was not baseball and uh one it's it gives you a different perspective of the person sure and it really i mean it takes it takes a little bit of pressure off yourself too you know, you're actually just enjoying being out there with this with this person that's on your team. Yep. So I just think when we talk about stuff like this that are conceptual, something that we have to do is, I guess, you know, you and I, are we know how we're going to take this and utilize it in our own lives, whether it be our work, our family, our teams. But if you're listening and you really want a podcast to have an impact on your life, then I think what you need to do now is take this and run with it and what i mean by run with it is make a list think about it work it into your practice plan i'm not i'm not saying schedule everything you know schedule uh, we're gonna schedule positivity we're gonna schedule i would you know but if that's what i can't takes, go do it. it i can't go with yeah. that screw it. yeah but, I, but how is it going to be how how is it, it's not going to change is, is list an item how, Unless, how 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 has how in what way will we promote positive energy in this practice yes in what way will we you know promote responsibility promote accountability yeah. in what way will we will the coaching staff show love to mm. the players you know or the players yeah. back and forth and when that's in the front of your mind if it's on your practice plan those questions and that's in the front of your mind you, you're holding yourself accountable yeah. for, it to, for it to happen right and and you're being intentional yeah 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 so we hope well, it's been was, helpful yeah a good 30 minute episode there yeah, approximately. Give or take. Give or take an hour. Give. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everyone.